first in Exodus, which you can find on page 55 in your pew Bible. And then our gospel lesson comes from John chapter 6. You can find that on page 867. But before I read the scripture, I invite you to pray with me. God of wisdom, pour out your spirit on us here in this place. That in the reading and hearing of your word, our hearts may be transformed, our eyes may be open, that we may be do, do your will, your good and perfect will. Amen. Our first lesson found in Exodus chapter 16, beginning in verse 2. The whole congregation of the Israelites complained against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. The Israelites said to them, If only we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt when we sat by the flesh pots and ate our fill of bread. For you have brought us out into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Then the Lord said to Moses, I am going to rain bread from heaven for you. And each day the people shall go out and gather enough for that day. In that way, I will test them whether they will follow my instruction or not. On the sixth day, when they prepare what they bring in, it will be twice as much as they gather on the other days. So Moses and Aaron said to all the Israelites, In the evening you shall know that it was the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt. And in the morning you shall see the glory of the Lord, because he has heard your complaining against the Lord. For what are we that you are complaining against us? And Moses said, When the Lord gives you meat to eat in the evening and your fill of bread in the morning, because the Lord has heard your complaining that you utter against him, what are we? Your complaining is not against us, but against the Lord. Then Moses said to Aaron, Say to the whole congregation of the Israelites, Draw near to the Lord, for he has heard your complaining. And as Aaron spoke to the whole congregation of the Israelites, they looked toward the wilderness, and the glory of the Lord appeared in the cloud. The Lord spoke to Moses and said, I have heard the complaining of the Israelites. Say to them, at twilight you shall eat meat, and in the morning you shall have your fill of bread, and then you shall know that I am the Lord your God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And our gospel lesson found in John chapter 6, beginning in verse 22. The next day, the crowd that had stayed on the other side of the sea saw that there had been only one boat there. They also saw that Jesus had not got into the boat with his disciples, but that his disciples had gone away alone. Then some boats from Tiberias came near the place where they had eaten the bread after the Lord had given thanks. So when the crowd saw that neither Jesus nor his disciples were there, 
they themselves got into the boats and went to Capernaum looking for Jesus. When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Jesus answered them, Very truly I tell you, you are looking for me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures for eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For it is on him that God the Father has set his seal. Then they said to him, What must we do to perform the works of God? Jesus answered them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him who has sent me. So they said to him, What sign are you going to give us then, so that we may see it and believe you? What work are you performing? Our ancestors ate manna in the wilderness, as it is written, He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Then Jesus said to them, Very truly, I tell you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is that which comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, Sir, give us this bread always. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But I said to you that you have seen me, and yet you do not believe. Everything that the Father gives me will come to me, and anyone who comes to me I will never drive away. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. This is indeed the will of my Father, that all who see the Son and believe in him may have eternal life, and I will raise them up on the last day. The Gospel of our Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. So I've told this story before, but I cannot help but hear the scripture about the bread of life and have it come to mind. So when Thomas and I were in seminary, we both had the privilege of serving together on a church staff for a small Baptist congregation located in the foothills of North Carolina. Our interim pastor had decided that for Christmas he really needed to travel out of state to be with his mother, which left Thomas and me to lead the Christmas Eve worship service. This church, as a tradition, always observed communion on Christmas Eve. And although we were young, we were not naive enough to think we should mess with the tradition. So we did our best to prepare. We had gathered folks to help serve communion. We had determined that we would both preside at the table. Thomas would read the scripture, which would give us those words of institution, and I would do the visual demonstration. 
We wanted to make sure that it was visible for everyone in the sanctuary, and so I had determined that I would break a Hawaiian loaf. You know, those big, round loaves. Everything was set. We came to the time in the service for us to observe communion. Thomas and I stood behind the table, and he began to read the scripture. And when he got to the words that Jesus, after giving thanks, took the bread and broke it, I raised the Hawaiian loaf up and planned to break it, and it did not break. And so, rather than giving up, I grab my fingers underneath and I rip it, and it goes flying at the front pew. And much like your response, the whole congregation burst into laughter. And Thomas and I got so tickled that he actually had to step out from behind the table to gather himself before we could continue on. Needless to say, I have since learned that you should have someone help you prepare for communion. Somebody like Carl Farrell does for us. I'm going to let you in on a little secret. Carl always scores the loaf just a little bit from the bottom so that I can rip the bread. Next time, I won't have this issue of bringing the bread to life and throwing it at the congregation. As we continue in our sermon series on the sacraments, we've come this morning to the bread of life. Last week, Brad talked with us about the wine, and next week we'll look at the water. But this week, as we think about the bread of life, we've looked both at the bread from heaven and Jesus's words, I am the bread of life. Right before the passage we read in John chapter 6, Jesus actually takes bread and fish, you know, the lunch of that little boy, and multiplies it, making enough bread for all those who were gathered, feeding a large crowd, and not just feeding them, but making sure that there were enough for leftovers, 12 baskets full. After this, Jesus retreats from the crowd, and you heard, they begin to search for him. Jesus is trying to draw a connection for them between the physical and the spiritual, between that which perishes and the eternal. But the crowd is missing the point because they're so focused on that physical hunger. They even get to the point of asking Jesus to prove that he is from God, and compare him to Moses. In our Exodus passage, as the children of Israel complain that they are given the physical hunger by being led into the wilderness, God responds to their physical need in order for them to understand the spiritual. The scripture said, In the morning you shall have your fill of bread, Then you shall know that I am the Lord your God. This is the story of Moses that the crowd recalls when they come to Jesus in Capernaum. But Jesus pushes back that it was not Moses, but God who rained down bread from heaven. Additionally, it's through believing that one receives an eternal gift. 
Whoever comes to me will never be hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Believe and you receive lasting bread. Come with openness and you will have your hunger satisfied. Hunger can be an intense thing. And I know this firsthand having an eight-month-old. I remember vividly when he was a newborn and he would be so peacefully asleep and would wake in the most horrible terror of a scream that I can only imagine was what he thought was starvation. And so we would do our best to feed him, to calm him, to meet his hunger. And before you know it, he's peaceful again, passed out in a milk coma. Most of us have that other side when we get hungry. Maybe we don't begin to scream like a newborn, but... It strikes us often as less than our best selves. And you know it's true because Snickers has a whole campaign about it. You remember those commercials, right? Where the guy is acting quite ridiculous. Uh, I think he's maybe Joe Pesci, and he's being all out of the ordinary. And the friend says, you're not yourself. Have a Snickers. And he takes a bite, and bam, he's back to his normal identity. We even have a word for it in our culture, hangry, the combination of hungry and angry. We act out of hunger, but I wonder if we ever get a spiritual hunger out of which we act. One of the times that I feel this hunger is often when I'm dealing with grief. When someone around me I love has passed away, I know that we have the promise of eternal life, but the absence of my loved one leaves a void, something that things and people are not able to fill. There are also times when I've been trying to do it all, to live my best life, to have it all together, only to hit a wall and recognize that something's missing. I get this feeling in my soul, an aching for more. Jesus says, whoever comes to me will never be hungry because the bread of life that he offers is something that fills our soul. The gift of God is something that sustains us in our grief, that reminds us we are not alone, that we do not have to have it all together, and that no matter what, we are loved by God. A few years ago, while Thomas and I were home visiting his parents, we had the opportunity to worship with their small Presbyterian congregation. And when I say small, there might have been 30 folks in the sanctuary that morning. And it was a morning where they were observing communion. And after we had shared in the feast, the pastor came down from behind the table and began to walk through the pews, saying, What did you experience? What did you feel during those moments we just had together? 
And a few folks answered. And one person being cheeky chimed up, that was good, I wish I had taken a bigger piece. And without missing a beat, the pastor turned around, walked to the table, grabbed the bread, and handed it to the front pew and said, well, let's pass it again then. We can never have too much of Jesus. Although the language Jesus used was that we would never be hungry, I don't think it meant that there would be no season in our life where we would long for more. I think there are times when we feel like we are in a valley and questions come. And the problem is that often we're maybe a little too scared to cry out for more of the bread of life. I need a bigger piece. To really allow for God to fill us, we have to ask to experience the grace Christ offers. We will then find ourselves in a space where we can experience the fullness of God. A space where we're willing to admit, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Both in the encounter we read in the desert wilderness and in Jesus' lesson in Capernaum, the language of fullness comes up again and again. The Israelites complained, we should have stayed back in Egypt. At least there we had our fill. And Jesus warns the crowd, you're looking for me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill. Christ's offer to us isn't limiting. It is to come and experience the fullness that only the bread of life can offer. To taste and see that the Lord is good. This isn't something we only experience on communion Sundays, though. We have an opportunity to experience that life-giving fullness even outside of this space. When Jesus was in the desert... Before he began his ministry, the tempter suggested that he take a stone and turn it into bread. And you probably remember he responded by quoting scripture, Deuteronomy 8, 3. One does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. One of the best ways for us to taste and see that the Lord is good is through the studying of scripture for our own personal life. We can receive a fullness that has staying power by meditating on the word of God so that we have the stamina to endure even the valleys of life. As Presbyterians, we believe that the bread and wine we take during communion are representative of the body and blood of Jesus. So if we don't believe like some other Christians do, that the bread and wine literally become the body and blood of Christ, then you might wonder, why do we take communion at all? But just as we stress during baptism that we use ordinary water, 
We use ordinary bread and grape juice. And I think there's something important about that fact. Though the amount is small, these very real physical elements serve to remind us that having our physical hunger and thirst quenched is no less important to Jesus than having our spiritual hunger and thirst quenched. Remember, right before our passage in John, Jesus fed the crowd with real food and then offered them spiritual food. James admonishes us this way. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith but do not have works? Can faith save you? If a brother or sister is naked and lacks daily food, or one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm, eat your fill, and yet does not supply their bodily needs, what is the good of that? So faith by itself, if it has no works, is dead. Both our passages today connect the physical and the spiritual because they are inextricably linked. As a church, I think we do a pretty good job of addressing the real physical needs of those around us. We can bring up several instances, manna on meridian, turkey boxes, angel tree. But I think it is our calling from the bread of life that we individually continue to ask ourselves and corporately continue to ask ourselves, what are we doing to meet both the physical and the spiritual needs of our community? For if we leave today, having only focused on the bread of life as a metaphor and miss that Jesus and God in the wilderness meet a very real hunger for their followers, then we will have failed to understand what it means for Jesus to be the bread of life. When we come to the table, when we encounter the bread of life and experience that fullness of God through the sweetness of the word, it is not so that we keep it to ourselves, content in that milk coma kind of state. Rather, if we have tasted and seen that the Lord is good, we have a responsibility to make sure that there is room at the table for others. And once we invite others to the table, we have the challenge the opportunity to find a balance of addressing both physical and spiritual hunger, inviting all we know to come and be filled, to taste and see that the Lord is good. To the glory of God. Amen.